Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. High Performance Dance Theater is an innovative, alternative-style dance company that enhances Northern Colorado's cultural community. As a nonprofit educational organization, their mission is to combine dance and modern technology to provide high quality training and productions while increasing the community's knowledge of the arts. High Performance Dance Theater presents two evening length shows as well as performs at local benefit concerts and special events throughout the year. Many collaborations between musicians, visual artists, choreographers, and other dancers help High Performance Dance Theater to bring successful and innovative performances to our community. High Performance Dance Theater also facilitates dance residencies in the public school districts around Colorado. This unique interactive experience brings dance instruction and education to thousands of children of all ages who might otherwise lack valuable exposure to the performing arts. Under the artistic direction of Kim Lang, High Performance Dance Theater has produced almost 100 full stage productions, 40 residencies, and performed at numerous other venues. High Performance Dance Theater is proud to be based in Fort Collins with opportunities to perform throughout Colorado. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Kim Lang. She's a dear friend of mine and actually has been a dance teacher for my own daughter. And I really am excited to talk to her about High Performance Dance Theater, which is her organization. First of all, I would love to just know more about you and what sparked your interest in using your passions and your talents to now give back to others and creating High Performance Dance Theater. So when I was six, I grew up in Chicago and I saw the Nutcracker on Channel 9 in Chicago, WGN. And it just sparked something in me that I said to my mom, that's what I want to do. I want to dance. And so every day, six days a week, she drove me or I walked or biked to go spend all my time at the studio after school. And it just kept going. And When I started college, I actually started going to law school downtown Chicago at the University of Illinois and just spent all my time walking over to other dance studios, taking classes and realized, oh, wait, this is really what I want to do. I do not want to practice law, although my checkbook would have liked (laughs) the law, but uh, my heart was all about dance and arts and performing and teaching So in college, I just had this passion for wanting to take my choreography, have an avenue for my choreography to go somewhere. And so I started High Performance Dance Theater in 1996 with that vision to bring 
choreography and technology and arts and kind of meld those together and see what would happen. So how did you get from Chicago to Colorado? Well, my first husband, (laughs) his kind of financial partner was in Chicago. They did places like Fort Fund that we have here in Fort Collins back there. And I worked there. I fixed video games. And so that's how we met. And then he's from Colorado. So we moved out here. And so did you finish college then with a dance degree? Did you change with undergrad? And I know you did some work here at Colorado State as well, correct? Yes. So I transferred from the University of Illinois to Colorado State and changed my major to dance. So my degree is in from CSU in dance. Which is nice because then you started to have some connections here in Colorado, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And you started High Performance Dance Theater in 1996. And how did that go? Because you were a dance major, but you weren't a business major or anything like that. So how did all of that come together where it became kind of like this organization and sort of like, even if it's a nonprofit, like a business for you? Correct. Well, my mom's an accountant. Um, My dad's a superintendent for the tollways in Chicago. He had several of his own construction businesses. So uh, I have two older brothers. So all three of us were always a part of that. My brother's had to do manual labor, pour concrete, build houses, things like that. And I was in the office with my mom answering phones, learning accounting. I kind of have that right left brain thing going that I was very fortunate to learn a lot of accounting things from my mom. Mm -hmm. Which is great because not a lot of people get that, right? And I like how you said it's the right and left brain because that's so true. Most of the creative people might not necessarily have the business sense and vice versa, right? Right. What drove you to create a nonprofit and not just go to a for-profit studio? Well, so I wanted to have a dance company that could have open options of doing things, of performing, teaching, doing residencies. My closest friend, Terry English, her mom was a PE teacher in the mountains up in uh, Carbondale. And so she said, I would love for you girls to come do dance residencies. So we went and we took over her PE classes for a week and taught them dance. And it was actually probably the most rewarding experience that I've ever had just because the kids were so open and a lot of the troubled kids were the ones who were standing in front, doing the best, giving their best effort. And that the principal would always come to us, various different schools, principals would come to us and say, oh, watch out for that kid. And we were always like, that's the best kid in our class. Wow. Wow. So, and then when did, where did it go from there? We've done residencies for the past 20 plus years all over uh, Carbondale, Basalt, Aspen, Glenwood Springs. We've done some here in uh, Fort Collins and Windsor. And when you say residencies, it's exactly like what you said. It might go into a PE class then, or is it always like that? Or is it something else? PE or music or both. And, And you just provide your services for like a week long or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last year I did a week long residency at Rice Elementary. We did yoga, Mm -hmm. but it was pretty neat to just see how the kids reacted to just moving, Mm -hmm. talking about that. Well, and just creative movement too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's super interesting. Is that something that if people are listening to this show, that people can spread the word at their own child's schools and explain to them? Or do you have some sort of thing that like a brochure or something that people can download and then take into their school and say, here, I, I heard that this nonprofit group does this type of stuff during PE or music or whatever. And um, would you be willing to um, have either the PE teacher or the music teacher look at this and see if it's something that they want to put in their curriculum for a week? Yeah, that would be great. If somebody's interested in that, I don't have a brochure okay. per se, that would be something we would love to have a discussion about and yeah. come out to any school. Okay. And kind of even custom create what what we're looking for. And then just to kind of finish that off too, would it be something that the school would then pay you or make a donation? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just like a one page flyer would be nice to yeah. just download and people can take to their schools or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I don't know. I have that brain too. I'm always like, hmm. How can we do this? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be kind of really cool. Okay, so if anybody's interested in that, that would be really neat. And then, so you would have time during the day if it was scheduled to be able to do that for maybe about a week or so. Correct. Okay, very cool, very cool. Okay, so tell me a little bit more then about how did the name of High Performance Dance Theater come to be? And did you start off with targeting certain ages or did you keep it open? And then once in, like, how does that all work with the people that you work with? So the name uh, at the time, my f growing up, my family and my brothers and my dad always had like muscle cars and fast cars and motorcycles. So it was more about that nitty gritty kind of work, good old fashioned hard work with art, because I think that's really important. I find it really important that anyone I work with, I ask them to help strike or set up not to torture them, to give them that experience. Cause you never know when you need to make a little extra money and you can jump in and mm -hmm. do things. The more skills you have, the more you can do and help yourself out and help other people. So I think it's a great learning experience. So what you're explaining then is like, explain it to our listeners, like what does strike mean? And yeah. So once a show is finished, we have to take everything down and we call that strike. So we like strike everything off the stage. So then it's a clear palette for the next artist. And so like for our last show, we had the Marley down, we have a drop, we had side light, set pieces, this and that. They all have to be torn down and put back into our storage. And um, so it's a great opportunity for people, for especially our younger cast members to learn oh, that's called a drop. This is called a gel. This is a Parnell light. <laughs> and I find that it's also part of the creative process. So those are our tools. And if you don't know what your tools are, you can't make your art the best it can be. Mm -hmm. So not that I need to be the lighting designer, but I do need to understand what the lighting designer is trying to communicate to me. Right. And, and I love that too, because that's one of the things that, as a mom of a performer that you've had in your shows too, I don't mind helping out either. Cause I was like, Oh, that's what those colored sheets were called. You know, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, I'm learning too, but I'm also half in there making sure my daughter's not running around and making sure she is helping because that's all part of the process too. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Well, I think it's great too. Cause there's been times where performers have said, well, what if we use this and did this? And I'm like, that's a great idea. 
but that kind of education piece helps that creative process grow. Right. Right. And be more expansive. Okay. And then your vision for high performance. I wanted to be able to bring entertaining and educational art to the community. I think entertaining is a really important thing that sometimes artists miss. And I don't mean that in a bad way or anything. Just for me, what I like to watch, I still want to be entertained. I want to laugh or cry or whatever emotion, but as long as it's bringing out something in me as an audience member, that's what I'm interested in as an artist to bring to my audience. So, you know, like our last show, Fanglingus Island, I feel like it's fun and silly, but it has a great message behind it that every age group can get behind. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to kind of look at that wide range of age and how can you reach that whole Mm -hmm. gamut. Yeah. And it was interesting because I did invite some teachers along in this last performance and they loved the message and they just thought it was super entertaining. And then I thought, you know, I remember when you did it in Greeley and you had a school come and watch. And I was thinking, I wonder why more schools don't come in and watch this. But again, it might just be giving the performers or the dancers or the moms or the parents or whatever, or the people in the community, you know, your flyers that you made to hand out to schools to kind of let them know, because it was a good message. Those teachers that came actually was, they enjoyed the message of Fangalangus Island as well. Okay. Yeah. So with those shows, cause you do, you repeat some shows and I know you wrote that one. So how did that come about? Um, that was actually kind of the whole start of high performance. It started as a book. So my husband, Vic Lang, who has passed away and a dear friend, Judy Bejarano, Vic and I started kind of brainstorming these ideas. His business partner wanted to build, you know, one of the Fort Fun type places based around this island. And um, so we started, we said, well, you have to develop it. You can't just create an island that doesn't have any meeting. So uh, we started developing this island and then we brought Judy on and just kept growing and growing and growing. And so it became this book, which then Judy and I took that and kind of created a dance theater production. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. It's And how many, and I actually know the answer, but I wanted to ask <laughs> you anyway, so we can say it, but how many years have you been doing Fangalangus Island? Well, it premiered in 1997. <laughs> So 22 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a long break. Like I said, my husband passed away. So we kind of took a break. He did all the robotics for the original show. The Zeta character, Norman, Treeman, and Truman were all animated characters like gremlins type robotics. And um, yeah, so we didn't have that anymore. So we kind of had to recreate when we came back to it Mm -hmm. again. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember... 
That's www.noco.fm. And what are your plans for the future for Fangalangus? Will you bring it back every year or what are, what's your thoughts around that? I would love to try to take it to other cities and other places. I mean, that was our original goal and we were booked nationwide. Wow. And then, like I said, my husband passed away and we had to cancel all of that at that moment. So I would love to bring the message and the fun and the beauty of Fanglangus to our world. And, you know, wow, that's really cool. So for those people who are also listening in another state, please reach out to Kim if it's something that you feel like you want to bring out to your state, whether you're in a school or just the theater. So tell a little bit, share a little bit of the background of Fangalangus and what the story is so that people who might think, oh my gosh, yeah, this would be really neat to bring to my city or my state or whatever it is. So the story is based on a, a, a boy who locks, locks his imagination up because it's getting himself into trouble. And He's just struggling. So he locks his imagination away. And then as an adult, he realizes his life is just boring and it's not fulfilling for him. So he decides he has to go try to figure out how to unlock his imagination. And he lands on Fangalangus Island and he meets all the inhabitants of the island and they help him unlock the three keys to imagination to not only save himself, but save everyone on the island who are really parts of his imagination. He's already created, he has created that island. He just didn't know it. He didn't know <laughs> and he it's was just, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so creative and the costumes are amazing and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah. so thank you for creating that yeah, too, thank, because it's really you. neat to watch. So tell me more about who you work with within your theater, would I call it a theater studio or a company or like who are some of the people that you work with all the time as far as dancers and performers? So how it started was I was still in college. So my college buddies were the ones I recruited. And, um, then we, uh, we've collaborated with several different studios with the mountain center, with studio West, um, a couple of ones that don't exist anymore, but there were always certain students that kind of just said, Oh, I kind of want to work with you guys. And we'd just bring them in on a little apprenticeship and really they just rehearse with us and start that creative process. I'm always open to having young ones choreograph and, um, but always having a older mentor with them, be it myself or one of the other dancers that um, I really trust to just give them ideas, not take it over, but just to say, well, what do you think about this? And so I've had a lot of young, beautiful dancers that are now off dancing professionally or choreographing here and there that it's just really an awesome thing to have had a little piece in their life. Yeah. What's the youngest that you've had, not chore doing choreography, but as a dancer or apprentice? Well, probably 
my daughter. I was going to say, not counting your daughter, because your daughter sort of is just, you yeah, know, she gets to forced, be there. She's yeah. forced to be there. <laughs> um, other than that, probably 11, 12. Okay. That's usually when they all come, either approach me mm-hmm. or I approach them and it's an interest. So, yeah. Okay. And then do you have classes that you provide? We don't offer classes in town, just our rehearsals. We try to, especially since we're collaborating with other dance studios, they're already providing these great classes and we don't have a space. Mm-hmm. So so it ends up being rehearsals mm-hmm. that lead to a production, then, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Okay. Do you ever do fundraisers at all to help? Because you're a nonprofit. And so because you do things around people's schedules and around rehearsals and I was shocked when you shared at the last Fangalangus Island production that the one in Greeley that you actually got paid and you were so excited. And I was thinking, you mean they haven't gotten paid before to do this? So what are some ways that people can help with giving and and income maybe to this nonprofit? Because just because you're a nonprofit doesn't necessarily mean that you can't make money. But the point is the funds that you do need need to continue to help you be sustainable, right? So what are some things or fundraisers or opportunities that people can get either involved to help you fundraise or to help bring in money to the nonprofit? In the past, we've done different fundraisers, silent auctions, um, champagne tastings with my husband. That was fun. (laughs) But it's just so hard because I think people are so inundated with fundraising dinners and this and that. But really donating money or donating time is great because we're always building new set pieces or sewing costumes or even... If you can come iron costumes or steam costumes, that's super helpful within our time. We also always need help backstage. So any any skill that people or if people have marketing skills, that would be great too. What might be one of your favorite stories that you've experienced just by doing this and creating this nonprofit and maybe giving back to the community? Are there any favorite stories that you're like, Oh my gosh. Like I, yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. I have so many. Two that popped to my head. So I had someone reach out to me on Facebook and thank me for what high performance has done for many, many dancers and audience members. And it actually really shocked me. I was like, what, what do you mean? What, what have I done? What? (laughs) But it kind of touched me to think, wow, okay, maybe I have in the past 23 years made a difference because sometimes it's hard day to day going, am I, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. another story, this is really silly. We were at the Lincoln center and we were doing two weekends of shows and in between they had some other events in the theater and we came in for the second weekend and we pulled our lights up just to check everything was working. And there were, these big googly Halloween eyes on the backdrop and everything was wrong. So it was a bit of a panic moment because the house was opening in 30 minutes and Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was great to be able to say, okay, I need you to go do this, get the scaffolding, get the gels, change that, refocus this, do this, do that. And everyone knew what I meant. It was done. We fixed it. I think we opened the house maybe 10 minutes late. (gasps) 
Oh um, my goodness. So that was a like very stressful panic moment, but reflecting back, it was like, wow, okay, we've done good work and we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so me making you help set up and strike <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> can make a really stressful situation be fixed. Right. Right. So, well, and I love some of your cast members too, because when I watch them perform, they feel, I mean, they, they look like they're just so happy to be there and it's like their heart is on stage versus I have everything perfect. And like my toes are pointed when I do this and you know, I'm doing a perfect pirouette or whatever it is, but they just look so happy to be there. So how do you find these people to come back and, and do this each time? I think that that's something I actually look for. I mean, obviously a good technique and performance quality and all that is important. Absolutely. But I also would rather have a really good person that maybe doesn't have the best feet in the world, <laughs> but they're invested in what we're doing mm-hmm. in that mission. So I think it's, I look kind of look at the whole package, not just their dance technique. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of gems that are in high performance that, you know, we're all not perfect, but mm-hmm. we're pretty darn good people. And that's, Way awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, is there anything else actually that you'd like to share about high performance dance theater that we haven't covered? We do a lot of variety of things. So not just kids shows, we do all kinds of stuff. It's just whatever inspires one of us to get going on something. Now, is there another show that you kind of repeat or do you come up with, because it sounds like you put on at least maybe two shows a year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What are some of the other shows that you either bring back or you decide to put on? And about when are these shows like spring and fall or when do these occur? So our season at the Lincoln Center has been September or October and then February, just depending on when the dates land. And we repeat, obviously, Fangalangus Island. We have a show called Journey. I wrote this show. After my husband died, um, just about that whole experience of loss and dealing with that. So it's definitely, that's a more serious show. It it does have some humor in it because I feel like you have to laugh in life to Mm -hmm. get through a lot. (laughs) And then we did a, a cabaret show and we toured that through Chicago and through Colorado And so that one has repeated several times. Is that actually cabaret then? Or is it um, something that you wrote or did something original? It's not original music or anything. It's just how we're putting things together. So, but that was pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. But those are kind of our only repeats. And you did Shimmies and Shakes and then you did Shimmies Shimmies and Shakes Junior. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then if somebody wanted a dancer to be involved, what would the process be? Just reach out to me and yeah, we'll figure that out. Okay. Yeah. So what might be one piece of advice that you could share with our listeners about making the world a better place? I'd say just keep your heart and your mind open. Just be open to taking things in and maybe digesting them a little bit before you respond and 
be kind. Just take a breath and be kind. Life's too short to be snippy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that ending. Life's too short. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.